What's up, OBR Film Breakdown listeners? Before we get to today's show, just a reminder about the $100 in free bets over at the number one sportsbook, FanDuel Sportsbook. Use the promo code OBR today to claim that $100 in free bets. Again, that's promo code OBR at FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. You must be 21 or older, President Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio on 1-1-2023. Unique user identification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. Now, the latest on the OBR Film Breakdown Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome into the latest OBR Film Breakdown, presented by FanDuel. I'm your host, Jake Burns. We are here for your Thursday, December 29th episode. we got a lot to talk about, a lot of great things going on, both discussion points about the Browns, a little bit of a discussion about the Ohio State bowl game, uh, college football playoff coming up on Saturday night as well. we got a great guest today, Doug LaMaurice. Doug, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you, Jake? Good. Hey, I, I wanted to... Um, I wanted to bring you back in because I feel like over the course of what's been four or five years, we've had just stop-ins a couple times a year talking about the progress of this thing. You know, when I first started having chats with you on your podcast, which I think was, was it Takes by the Lake? Am I, am I right about that? Ah, uh, the dear departed Takes by the Lake. Maybe someday it'll come back and you'll be back on with me then. Yeah, that, that's, that's the, uh, that was the launch point of where we were at and we we're looking at, is it the right time? What, what, you know, what, what they're doing with the analytics side influencing the decisions the the record at the time was terrible led into the 18 draft Hugh Jackson's firing how they changed coaches to Freddie there was a lot of stuff going on then and we've settled in and I know you've shifted more toward focusing on Ohio State of late but I know you always keep a pulse on you know with the orange and brown talk pod and other things you're doing up there with cleveland.com just how this thing is working and it's gone through peaks and valleys uh 20 being the peak now we're sort of back into a little bit of a valley and um as we sit here and, and gather where they're at with the Paul D. Podesta era that has stretched into now Kevin Stefanski, where, where are you at on the big picture process of what they're doing? It feels like they left it for a bit. Now they got back on it with Kevin and Andrew Barry. And now we're, um, we're just in a bit of a lull. Did this, I guess the question, Doug, is did this season go in a way how you expected it would have gone given the 11 game suspension? And do you still think the process that they've got here is is fine and will work in the next year? Are they in a bit of a panic mode as we wind down six and nine season here? Yeah, I think it's worse than I thought it would be, especially when you consider, I think we all agree, Jacoby Brissett was probably better than we thought he would be. So the idea that you got in his own way and his own package of skills and their problem was they kept asking Jacoby Brissett for a while to try to lead two minute drills at the end of the games to pull out wins. And that was never going to work. But the idea that he played pretty darn well, you look at the efficiency numbers for the offense that Kevin was calling with Jacoby Brissett, that was pretty darn good. And they still didn't win as much as they should have. I think it's been kind of significantly worse than I thought it would be because I think there was a way to have real debates about 
whether acquiring Deshaun Watson, whether paying him $230 million guaranteed, whether giving up what they give up, whether taking on the baggage that you took on was worth it. While everything else kind of moved along and showed you that you were ready in every other way. And I feel like here we are at the end of the season, Jake. I mean, does anyone think that everything else is fine? This is way beyond the Deshaun Watson conversation, right? This is a, is it the right coach? Are we sure the roster's as good as we think it is? Did Andrew Barry leave holes, you know, in this roster the way he built it? And I, that wasn't the conversation I thought we would be having. So I do want to make sure we give credit if we're going big, 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 big picture back to the takes by the Lake days. They tanked. I wanted them to tank, stink, acquire picks and build it back up. And I do think we have to take a pause to acknowledge that that in many ways worked. That's how you got Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward and Nick Chubb and many of the other things that make this thing go. And we are now at a point of discussing why they're not a playoff team when they seem like they have playoff talent, which was not the discussion we were having about the Browns before they tore it down and built it back up. So part of it worked. I think other parts of it still can work, but I don't think Kevin Stefanski has been good this year. Yeah, that, that part of it is what's particularly interesting is, is, is tying it back to Kevin, right? He comes in 2020, great first year. Everything seems to be in place. I think most people have an idea of why things broke down the second year. You come into year three, right? Expectations are sort of tempered, I would say, by the 11-game suspension, but still expected some things to to go better than they did. If, if you're saying Kevin Stefanski isn't the right guy, Doug, which I don't think is... I don't think that's a crazy take at this point. I, I have reasons. Listen, I, I'm, I'm a Kevin guy, but I also can accept why some people feel the way they do. I'm curious from your perspective, if you don't think he's the right guy, like what's the reasoning behind it? Is it, is it a leadership thing? Is it like, tell, fill, fill me in on, I'm not saying you're saying that, but if you're, if you are, or that's the, the hunch you get from some people, what's the part of him that is not up to par to be the guy that we kind of all thought he was going to be after 2020? Yeah, leadership, motivation, captain of the ship kind of stuff, not just play caller, right? More than a play caller. Because I think you can have real questions about like, okay, like, you know, the guy facing his play sheet, if he was just the offensive coordinator, you know, again, I think you, there's a, a lot of good things that happened while Jacoby Brissett was playing, but I think there's reasonable things to ask about there, the way the run game um, has not been as effective as of late, multiple, just multiple things there. But I think like the guy in charge and, Last year, while the Baker injury was a huge deal, I, I just did, I never liked how he handled or seemed to, in some ways, recuse himself from everything that happened with Odell Beckham Jr. and Baker Mayfield. It felt like to me that a head coach should have been more right in the thick of that. I, I don't think that's how, I always, this is what I always say, I don't think that's how Mike Tomlin or John Harbaugh would have handled that. And I don't know why the Browns would settle for anything less. So I don't think he's been good. And, and, as you've noted, I have not written about the Browns as much this year as I have in years past. But like two of the things I did write were both critical of Kevin early. I just thought there was like a, there's like a veneer of competence that I think had covered this front office and this coaching staff, mostly in contrast to 2019 and the Freddie Kitchens year. And the one thing you thought about them was they were competent. And I think they've been incompetent at times this year, Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski. And then when you get into the motivational leadership, rally the troops, believe in the guys part of it, and 
show me where you made a call or you did something that got your team over the top. They've lost a lot of close games. They've been, let's not forget they've been blown out a couple times when it's, you know, there's a lot of times good teams don't get blown out the way they got blown out by the Patriots and a couple other games. I just don't know any area where Kevin Stefan, other than maybe max, you know, getting pretty close to maximizing the actual individual performance of Jacoby Brissett, but they still went four and seven with them. So like, I can only go so far with that. I don't know. Point to something that, that Kevin Stefanski did this year that you were like, yep, that's a thing that not every coach would do, and it helped the Browns win. I'm a little short there, man, and I have real questions. I've been saying I think he's an on-paper coach. I think he's a COVID year coach. I thought he was calm in the COVID storm and like managed him through like he's a Zoom coach. And now we're back in the face-to-face world, and I'm not in the locker room, man, but I don't know. I don't know that he's the guy. So is it is it more of you want to see – there's certain elements we'll never see, right? There's there's just things that happen behind closed doors, no matter how close. Even if you're a beat guy there every day, you just can't see everything. So are you thinking that this group needs somebody who's a bit more demonstrative, uh, active? I'm, I'm thinking like Vrabel, Campbell types. Like is that – you think that's an angle they need to take here or – is there is it something is it something even Kevin's not putting out there as he is? I'm just curious, like um, what, if they're going to move on from him, what's the type of guy you're looking for? Because Kevin's clearly a very much even keeled to your point, which you're making earlier is is he doesn't seem to raise the voice all too often, um, not at least out in front of things demonstratively. He, he's sort of always looking forward, looking forward, looking forward. And I think some folks like yourself are thinking, they need somebody a little bit maybe more in the moment. So if that's the t- is that the type of person you're looking for, someone of the Vrabel variety? Yeah, I mean, I I think that's natural. That's what we do in every sport. Whenever you think about changing the person in charge, you just go to the opposite personality trait. If it's somebody who's real fiery, then you think, oh, let's get like a player's coach who isn't yelling at everybody all the time. And then you think if it's lackadaisical, then you want somebody who can kick a team in a butt. I feel like they've needed a kick in the butt from – perception outside view it feels like that this is a team with some talented players that they just they needed somebody to kick him in the butt a little bit and I just I don't it doesn't seem like he's the best guy to do that and it doesn't mean that I mean I think you can still get a guy who's smart and makes good fourth down decisions and factors analytics into his thinking I'm not like out on analytics I'm not out you know I'm not out on the nerds or whatever I mean I just like I, I just would like I think this team is good enough that they need somebody who challenges them now. And I do not love, I I really, I got hung up on it, I think, maybe more than most people. But I just thought that the Baker-Odell thing got out of control when it didn't have to. And I was surprised, I just thought that... There should have been more that was hung on the coach for that. But like, how did you let this happen in your locker room? How did you let this thing fester and then bubble over and it's like dividing the team and you're letting the one guy walk and then he goes help a team win a Super Bowl and then the Baker, like you wind up losing both guys, neither are happy. Like, why did that have to go down that way? That's where I really, that's what started it to me with Kevin. And now we just have the way things have gone this year. And, and I don't, I don't know that he's getting the most out of a team that I think is more talented than its record, even though the quarterback was suspended for 11 games. So I'm not like on the fire Kevin. So I'm not saying fire Kevin Stefanski. I'm not. If he's back next year, I, I think he will be. I think that's fine. If you had a red, you know, 
we, we've made this comparison on the Orange Brown Talk podcast. Baker, we always call him Baker Maybefield, right? When Baker was healthy, he was good sometimes. He wasn't always good, but he was good sometimes. But the question was, is he a Super Bowl quarterback? It wasn't, is he terrible? When it was hurt, it was, is he terrible? But when he was good, the question was, is good good enough? Or do you need to be great? Why would you ask that question of the quarterback and not ask it of the head coach? I'm not saying he's the worst coach in the league. Is he going to get him to a Super Bowl? And if the answer is no, then what are you waiting for? Because everything else they've done, mostly the quarterback, and everything else they've drafted and spent to keep guys, everything else they've done has been in clear pursuit of a Super Bowl-level team. So the question to me is not, is Kevin Stefanski good? It's, is he a Super Bowl coach? Because you asked that at quarterback and your answer was no and you got Deshaun Watson. So if the answer to Kevin Stefanski is no, then why wouldn't you think about getting the coaching version of Deshaun Watson? That's kind of where I am. I'm not demanding he be out the door, but man, I don't know. Do you see this guy lifting the Lombardi trophy? Yeah, I think it's a fair question. I, I would counter that and come back to you with this. It seems as though they lost several of those early games on coin flips. You would you would agree with that. Just just wild sort of things that happened. Jets game. Yes. I think you can lay it there. You can look at the Atlanta game. You can look at uh, the, the Chargers game. Three games there that I think the pendulum swings pretty tightly. Now, my question would be, they go into this thing thinking Watson gets six games. He ends up with 11. Do you think that there was a neglection of like important positions? Because I, I'm, I'm sure you guys have covered this on your side, on your pod too, but the historic nature of the run defense that they're dealing with here. And if it feels like if they would have just invested, uh, you know, they're, they're not, I understand their cash investment in a lot of places, but they could have used the rollover cap, the tight cap stuff to invest in better players at several important positions to sort of shore up aspects of this thing that we're seeing maybe bringing in another veteran wide receiver so maybe you're not playing david bell and 11 personnel stuff right off the bat like i think you could sit here and say let me put it this way i think it's very fair to say that they're waiting for 23 to really invest and be all in because they see the big picture with 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 deshaun full season all of it do you think there was in any way a punt on this season not a punt from the regard of like they don't want to win they're not going out to win but investing every single dollar in an all-in move, like fielding, to me, fielding the guys that they, they fielded a defensive tackle, it's hard for me to think that they were all-in. You could go into a season with that big of a glaring hole and feel comfortable with it. And that has is truly, there have been a lot of little things that have happened here, Doug. I don't think that's, you can't blame every single thing on defensive tackle, but there's a couple examples of things that they could have done to push this roster a little bit forward. But to me, it feels like you could look at this and clearly see they're trying to punt some money down the line and hold on to it for maybe a more all-in approach in 23 or hold on to it for some of these contracts they have kicking in. And it just feels like they left some very specific holes. So is that an angle you see, or did they just not get it done to get this team ready to go to win this year? Because there's, there's really two ways to look at that. They could have said, we got an 11-game suspension now. Maybe we'll hold off on... The, the the defensive tackle guys that we've seen, Jordan Linval Joseph or the Indomitian Sues, they could have added those guys. There's no doubt they could have paid them enough to add them with the money that they're sitting at right now along. You know, it's a tight waistband, but it's not that tight. And the same with a T.Y. Hilton type that we just saw made a miraculous play for the Cowboys. There have been players out there that they could have added. You know, you're talking about, we're all talking about a consistent desire for a stretch wide receiver. He's an example. It just feels like they've left some meat on the bone personnel-wise 
And I'm curious if your thought of that is where I'm thinking it is. Let's hold off and and using up our use it or lose it money until we have a full season of the quarterback. And with that decision, it leaves the potential for some games that go, you know, one way or the other getting, it's the difference between six and nine and nine and six. You know what I mean? So I think there's three things I want to talk about in there. One is the idea, right? I think each year, when the smart guys break it down in the offseason of trying to predict what teams are going to do the next year, you'll often find you look at one score games, you believe there's some randomness to that, right? And then you say, well, it went against this team last year. If it flips for them this year, they could be basically the same team and win four more games. So that's, I think, part of what you're saying, that there is luck, coin flip kind of stuff that sometimes it goes your way, sometimes it doesn't. And I think you could do a little bit of that here, which might lead a lot of people to be like, man, I think the Browns are going to win 12 games next year and maybe there won't be a ton different. I do believe, I do think some of that is fair, but I also think, you know, to me, the, the Hugh Jackson was, was not given a good team, but it wasn't a one and 31 team, right? Like he took a bad team and then they were horrible with Hugh Jackson. This was maybe not to your point, Maybe not an all-in team, but I still think they should be better than they are. So I don't think Kevin has maximized whatever the situation is. And I do think you have to evaluate a situation and then say, given all these things, and I think you make some good points, did this staff, did this head coach get the most out of what was possible here? And I think my answer to that is no. So I would factor that in to some degree. And then the roster stuff, you know, it's like you never want to let these guys off the hook, right? So part of me is like, even though you're presenting, I think, a, a well-reasoned case, part of me is like, all right, what? So they didn't try? Come on. Like, it's, they, didn't, they didn't reduce the ticket prices. They, they asked fans to pay the same amount, right? It's like you just kind of – I do think it's possible that – and I agreed with a lot of it all along the way, and then maybe they went too far. To me, if you're not going to – if there are a couple positions where you're going to be short, because it's hard to be great everywhere. I think I would say, all right, defensive tackle and linebacker. Let's be short there. Let's make sure we have corners who can cover. Let's make sure you have edge rushers who get after the quarterback. Let's have safeties who make plays in space. They've clearly invested in the offensive line and the running back position. You're paying the quarterback a lot of money. You sign the tight end. You can't be, you, you got to cut corners somewhere. So defensive tackle and linebacker, I agree with that. And then I went too far. And then I was like, all right, well, not this. Now four mm-hmm. injuries at linebacker, that really hurts. The defensive tackle situation, as you noted, I think they bet on some of their own draft picks, some of their own young guys that didn't work out. And then I, I'm a little, I mean, clearly the Amari Cooper trade and investment was a big deal and was a wise move. But, you know, there's just a lot of places that are going really hard at the receiver position. And I know, you know, Scott Patsko for us at Cleveland.com, when they got Deshaun, one of his big things was, was, you know, Deshaun made some pretty, out. he had D-hop in, 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 with the Texans for, for, for a, a receiver, but he made a lot of other average receivers pretty darn good. So maybe you just count on, we're paying the quarterback to make receivers really good. We don't need to go crazy at receiver. I thought they were a receiver short at the start of the year. I do think Donovan Peoples Jones at times has shown, I think he's been, he's been better than I thought he was maybe, but I still think they're a receiver short there. But I do think there's a couple flaws in the roster construction from Andrew Barry that he maybe went too far with the good idea that I think you make a persuasive case that maybe they were holding back a little bit, but I think this offseason will tell us, right? Either they'll be reacting to the holes and filling them at linebacker and defensive tackle and adding a receiver, 
or maybe it was the strategic plan all the way around, or maybe like that's just where they're willing to be a little light. And I think we'll get some of that story now. I, I just don't like letting people like they get paid lots of money for this. This is big boy school. So like, mm-hmm. I want to hold, I want, I want them to be held accountable, but I, I don't think it's impossible that it's maybe more of what you're saying, but I still think bottom line with whoever they are, whatever they have, I think they should have a better record and generally be better and look more competent and be closer to the team that we expected them to be, even with all the things that went wrong in the holes they have. Okay. Well thought. I like it. Good, good, good rebuttal to a lot of points. I think people are going to continue to bring up through this off season. So my closing question on the Browns for you is this. If they keep Kevin, I'll open it even broader. Do you think they should keep Kevin and how do they fix it? Is it as simple as just they need to replace Joe Woods, a different voice on defense, a different leadership style over there? The offense probably works itself out and Kevin and a new defensive coordinator have a harmonious relationship and they move forward and they have a good year? Or do you think, kind of putting you on the spot, Doug, do you think they need to just ship them all out and restart this thing? Because that I think is is certainly on the table, depending on, um, you know, you, I don't want to say it's certain, it shouldn't be, but it probably is with, with how impatience goes in the NFL. If these last two games go completely awry, I think it could be. So I guess I'm asking you what fixes this. Is it as simple as a DC, perhaps even special teams change, and then it goes from there? Or do you think it's going to ultimately lead to an area where they just, Kevin isn't the guy? I think I would make a change at defensive coordinator and at special teams coordinator. I think that there have been enough consistent issues to justify saying we don't because again, I do we agree that the Super Bowl standard is the standard? Like is that too yep. crazy? Like can you win a Super Bowl with these special teams? 17 weeks of these special teams, 3 or 4 games in the playoff of these special teams. Can you? I would say no. Okay, make a change. Can you win 17 games and playoff games? get to a Super Bowl with this defensive coordinator the way they're playing defense. At when they're at their best and the the, the top end of it it's it's good enough. Consistently if they're out here blowing coverages again in the first month of the season, I I don't think you can run it back. I think they need to make a change there. Every time you ask about a coach anybody asks about a coaching change, you have to think about what's next as part of it. It's not just about should someone be fired, it's who can you get in their place. Yeah. I certainly would not fire Kevin Stefanski and then have a second meeting that is, all right, so who should we get now? If that's where you are, keep him. If you can, if you have the next guy who you who is an upgrade, and Sean, like I was on a radio show and like they asked me a Sean Payton question. I was like, ah, Sean Payton. And they were like, Doug Marie says Sean Payton. I didn't, I'm not banging the drum for Sean Payton. Sean Payton is the shorthand to me, of experienced, winning, potentially available coach. If well, Doug, that... let me ask you that. Uh, if you, I'm quoting you right now, Doug LaMarie wants Sean Payton. If, yeah. if Sean Payton came to you today and said, hey, I'll coach Cleveland Browns. No, I would love to. Sign me up. Me and Vic Fangio are coming. But you got to give up stuff. Like, New Orleans is going to demand some picks here. Yes. If that were the case, are you sending picks to New Orleans for Sean Payton? And this is why I'm saying it's a shorthand. Like, I don't know. Maybe. Mm-hmm. You already lost all the picks in the Watson deal. It feels like there are some reinforcements that you could use in the draft. I wouldn't want to give everything away, but if you think Sean Payton is a Super Bowl coach and you have a Super Bowl roster in many other ways and he's willing to come here, are you really not going to 
give up like a second and a third to get him to get a Super Bowl coach because you're like, oh no, we could use, you know, a third edge rusher. It's like, what are we doing? Like, you think this is the guy. So I don't know. And I know that's a complicating factor. So I'm not pushing Kevin Stefanski out the door. But if you have an answer, whether it's Sean Payton or somebody else, and I don't know who somebody else is, Sean McVay says, you know what? I'm sick of LA. Get me to Cleveland. I don't know. I'm just making things up. But I think everybody knows what we're talking about here. What you would believe is an obvious upgrade, and that person is ready to come, then I I don't think you owe Kevin Stefanski anything. I don't think there's an upside of Kevin Stefanski that you would regret letting him go. Oh, my God, we had Kevin Stefanski. Then go, because you are built to win now in every other way. Now, is that going to be out there? Very likely not. Then I think you give Kevin Stefanski a full year of Deshaun Watson, see what that looks like, change other staff members, and and give him that full year with a quarterback who's not injured that you believe is a Super Bowl quarterback and see what that looks like. But if it's not great, then you have to be ready to move on. But I'm not pushing him out the door unless you have a, a sure thing waiting in the hallway. Great stuff, Doug. We're going to shift away from Browns. I think we've covered that pretty well. It's like I'd love to go back and listen to some of these pods we had a year ago, two years ago, talking about this stuff with where they are. They're they're certainly at a crossroads here. These last two games will they'll they'll play a part in all of this, but they're at a crossroads, and there's going to be a bigger shakeup than we've seen in a while. A staff that's been together for three years, something has to move. We'll see what moves eventually. Like I said, quick break. Word from our sponsors. Come back. If you don't care about Ohio State, Georgia, shut us off. If you do, stick around. We got one of the best giving a preview of that game. We'll be right back. Hey, guys, telling you again about the fantastic offer coming up from FanDuel, America's number one sports book, which is coming to the Buckeye State at the turn of the year. They're already available. If you go in, sign up, you get $100 in free bets with an early sign-up bonus. Now, again, reminder, you cannot get this offer if you wait around and do it after the turn of the new year when, when it's a go-live date for sports betting in Ohio. You have to do it early. You get an early sign-up bonus by using the promo code OBR. Very simple. Just OBR. Get that sign-up bonus. Right, get hundred dollars in free bets. Just have to download the FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. Safe, secure, super easy to use. I already do it for some of the shows that I do on Sundays, just to look at lines and give advice. Download that app, Ohio. It's your chance to get in on the action. Join today again. Promo code OBR. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Again, the disclaimer: twenty-one and older. Got to be present in Ohio. Bonuses issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. One-one of twenty twenty-three. Unique user identity verification is required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Doug. So the the Ohio State Michigan game to me, you know, I don't cover Ohio State. I'm not as close to this stuff as you are. It it was a dramatically overblown point about a blowout loss in Ohio Stadium. Like to me, it felt like this game was a one score game. Ohio State is driving. They throw a, I believe it was a tipped interception. A couple long runs happen in all out blitz scenarios. They give up some throws. I'm sure if Knowles could play it again, I, I actually think I saw him today or yesterday, Doug, and, and maybe it was from your coverage, said he doesn't regret being as aggressive as he was. I have to think if they played Michigan again, they would not put some of those guys on islands and risk some of the things they risk. But I do not see Michigan as a three-score better football team than Ohio State. And I think some of that stuff has been overblown. But um, nonetheless, this Georgia team is a different animal Altogether, you're not rematching Michigan. You are you are trying to beat Georgia now. How do you feel about this? As close as we are to it, not necessarily the players. Whatnot. How do you feel they match up with Georgia? Yeah, pretty good. It's a. I think Ohio State's a six and a half point underdog. I think it's about a toss up. I think indoors they haven't played indoors the last two seasons because they haven't made the Big Ten championship game. This is an offense built to play on a fast track and perfect conditions. This is what they wait for. They have to suffer through the November Big Ten schedule in the hopes that this offense that is built to win national championships in perfect weather or in domes, that they get that chance. They lost to Michigan last year, didn't get the chance. They lost to Michigan this year and got the chance. So I do think even though it's like obvious and staring everybody in the face, I almost think we've undersold it so far. I'm like, yeah, they're getting to play in a dome, man. I was asking Marvin Harrison Jr. about, man, your dad played his whole life in a dome. He's like, I can't wait to play indoors. He's never played indoors. Oh, I th- wow. Helps. I, I think it really helps. I think, yeah. I think it is like, it's like, on one level, it's like, duh. But on another level, I think it's like, it's a bigger deal, I think, than we think about. I do think they're not going to be able to run the ball against Georgia, which I think should mean, and I think maybe will mean they won't try that hard. I think this is a chuck it all over the place. Use RPOs and bubble screens in the pass game as your run game. Take shots down the field. It's an aggressive secondary. Maybe you can beat some guys deep. Georgia has given up some stuff sometime, from time to time. I don't think they'll really be able to block Jalen Carter inside. So I, I think it's a I think it's a toss-up. I really do. And I will be very surprised if Ohio State doesn't compete. I think there are too many things in line for them to compete. I think Georgia's 
obviously super talented, really well coached. You'll be enthused to know I asked everyone's good friend Todd Munkin multiple questions about the Cleveland Browns when we got him as uh, George's offensive coordinator. The idea that his that the failures of the Cleveland Browns helped birth the mini dynasty of the Georgia Bulldogs because Todd Munkin's making two million bucks a year to be the head coach of the offense for Kirby Smart and is doing a great job. If they don't fail and all leave after one year in Cleveland, who knows yeah. where Georgia is right now? I did not get to ask him my favorite theory, which is how did working with Baker Mayfield and his strengths and flaws help you with Stetson Bennett? Because I feel like Stetson Bennett is Baker Mayfield light where they know what he can't do and they don't let him make the mistakes that Baker made, but they do bring out the things he can do, getting outside the pocket, taking shots when you need to, making some easy throws. I, I, there were too many people trying to ask questions to Todd Monken. My, my Baker Mayfield Stetson Bennett theory, man, if I could get Todd Monken alone for 10 minutes, he'd either kill me or say, you're exactly right. <laughs> So well, they're like the same age, Stetson and Baker. So that probably, helps, I know. Right? I mean, really like that's for, for Browns fans. Watch, watch Stetson Bennett against Ohio state and ask yourself. It's like, man, I, I kind of see it. Cause I like Baker threw like, I know Munkin wasn't calling the plays. But it was like Baker threw like whatever, 23 interceptions when Munkin was here in 2019. It was like, okay, what we want is all the good things Baker did without the 23 interceptions. And it's like, that's what they've done with Stetson Bennett. It's like, you're not allowed to do that. When you watch Stetson Bennett, when he throws a pick, they don't throw a pass for the next three drives. They're like, you messed up. We're running the ball now. You're in trouble. You're in the timeout corner. And then once the run game gets the offense going again, they'll let him throw more than a three-yard pass. But they shut this offense down when he gets loose. And I have to think there's some Baker lessons there. Anyway... I think it's a toss-up. I actually think Ohio State's bigger problem is trying to shut down Georgia's offense. Yeah, as that's opposed, what I was going to ask you about. As opposed Cause, cause to they're, dealing. They're, I, think, yeah. I think Ohio State's going to move the ball on Georgia. Indoors, Georgia does let teams indoors move the ball. Ohio State's got to cash it in the red zone. I just don't know that Ohio State's going to really stop Georgia because I think Monken dials it up pretty well, and they're going to throw to tight ends and running backs and make it tough on the Buckeyes. Yeah, that's that's the thing that doesn't get talked. No one's talking about that side. Everybody's talking about Ohio State moving the football, and everyone loves the wide receivers and Stroud. And like, I guess I have two questions that can swing this thing. Is CJ Stroud ever going to run? Is he is he ever going to run? Doug? No, don't because, want to. Don't need. To. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Is like, it feels like there's some cheap yards out there that it's like that would be the ultimate zig to the zag of what they've been. If like he every now and again was, like, you know what? I'm going to just take off. Like how 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 unprepared would defenses be if it's like second and third and eight and he never runs and it's like, Oh, well he's taking off. I feel like that's in the bag. If CJ wants to pull that out and get a couple first downs, I'm just, t- t- listen, tell him, pull him aside and say, I talked to Jake. No, he's I won't do it. For I, like he's it. Got I always say he is, <laughs> he is dangerous behind the line of scrimmage and he gets much less dangerous the moment he crosses the line of scrimmage. And I do think it's one of those things where he might be able to do it once he picks up 11 yards one time on third and eight, and then the next time he tries to run on third and eight, he gets three yards because George mm. is like, okay, you're not doing this anymore. It's just not <laughs> what he does. I do think he has to take checkdowns. I thought he did that a little bit better against Michigan. I know Ohio State wants him to do that. Stetson Bennett does that like crazy. Nobody throws the ball to running backs better than Georgia. I do think that 
he took a, a, a little check down to chip train him for a 24 yard gain that got called back by the holding penalty. And also that was yeah. the play where Ohio state headbutted the guy on the sideline and got yeah. 25 yards and penalties on one play. If that stands, that's a check down that sets up the go ahead touchdown. And we're like, yes, CJ, that except the play exploded after they gained 24 yards on the dump off. Mm-hmm. So I do think he has to do that, but I, I, I think CJ will play well. I think the best way to try to attack this Georgia defense is with your brain and getting rid of the ball. Because I do think when you've watched Anthony Richardson and Bo Nix and Will Levis and some of these other quarterbacks who are more athletic than CJ Stroud, I think you, Hendon Hooker, I think you think you can run on Georgia and then they swarm you like a pack of lions and you're like, oh, wait, no, I can't. No matter how athletic I am as a quarterback, they are more athletic as a group. So to me, CJ, don't try it. Take your short stuff, get rid of the ball, hit slants. Offensive line has to hold up enough times to try a couple double moves and deep shots, but throw it 50 times and get rid of it before they get to you. But I just, I think it's almost an advantage to, to not, Ohio State's run game is not in good shape. So don't hand it to the running backs much. And their quarterback is not much of a runner. So don't run it with the quarterback, chuck it. They were built to chuck it. And I think that's how you beat Georgia. Well, to your point, they're not going to run it well. I, I I really don't think they are. They could they could find some schemes that work going away from Dale really Carter doing think, some different right. things. I don't think they I'm will. W- I'm with you. I don't think they will either. The RPO stuff is rusty. The bubble screen and slip screen stuff has been hit or miss this year. I think that yeah. that this is the, the 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 point blank fact of the matter. CJ's got to be damn near perfect. Like we're going to have to look back at this thing and think he was dialed in all night. He missed maybe one or two throws, but they hit some deep shots. And that's the stuff that matters. The only thing that on the flip side of it that I, I feel confident that CJ is going to have the weight of the world on his shoulders, he's going to have to play really well, is, is how do they shut down Bowers? And, and then listen, both of these guys, if you look at the two Georgia tight ends, they're going to matter in the NFL in a couple of years. Bowers is a young guy. He's got another year. Darnell Washington's like a 6'8". I'm sure you've been close to him maybe uh, during some of these, these uh, media sessions. He is, he's a freak of nature. Like I said, both of these guys will be making serious NFL plays in a couple of years. Do you think they have the linebacker safeties to to handle those two? Because those are, I mean, you can look at their stats. Those are the guys they want to get the football to. I do think it matters that I thought Ohio State did a good job on Michael Mayer, who's like the next other great tight end in college football against Notre Dame in the opener. You know, it's not a lot of man coverage. It's not a lot of individual matchups. You don't have a guy who can do that. But I thought they did a good job bracketing him making it tough. He made like one play that mattered in that game. So Georgia, you double it, makes that much more difficult. And a lot of it, again, it's really like Georgia's a defense first team. Georgia's a D de- we all know that Kirby smart is a really smart defensive mind and they have ridiculous talent on defense. Todd Monken is so fundamental to their success. Jim Knowles, Ohio state defense coordinator was saying today, asked about the tight ends. He's like, yeah, they're great. Everybody knows they're great, but yet when you watch Georgia, they're constantly open. And you think, how did they get so open? Monken, that's how they got open. They schemed these guys open, even though everybody knows that's the bread and butter of the offense. So they're going to have to do it with multiple guys. Ohio State safeties are going to have to play well. The linebackers are going to have to help. They'll wind up with corners on them sometimes. I don't know how any single person covers a six foot seven, 280-pound tight end. It's like, hey, who's our, who's our guy in the back seven? who's 6'7", 280. It's like, I don't know. We could put like Denzel Burke on Steel Chamber's shoulders and make him wear a trench coat. Maybe they'd be 6'7". You don't have anybody. So you've got to make it tough on Stetson Bennett. You've got to put multiple guys on him. You've got to make tough passing lanes. 
I just think it's going to be hard. All those things you said, I think, no, I don't think. Ohio State's more explosive offensively, right? They, Georgia doesn't have Marvin Harrison Jr. They don't have a Mecca Buka, right? Ohio State's more explosive. Georgia is, I think, more efficient. And I do think that idea of how do you stop the running back passes? How do you stop the tight end throws? I don't know that they that they do. And I think that means that Georgia might be marching up and down quite a bit. Talking about scheming guys open. How does Todd Monken feel about Cleveland and uh, working with Kevin Stefanski? Is he so, open to that idea? <laughs> he's making two mil me. here, man. I don't know what Cleveland would pay. Um, <laughs> you, 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 yeah, I really, I tried the best that I could. I'll have a story at, at cleveland.com about Todd right. Monken and uh, what he had to say about the Browns. Um, he's really good, man. Like he's really good. And it's just funny, right? You go from, you go from what went wrong in Cleveland and it's right at the moment when Georgia's moving on and looking for a guy and Todd Monken's right there. And it's just like a, it's a perfect match. And, uh, and he was great. He was great to talk to down here. I'll never forget asking Todd up there. Hey man, it was like, it was like the second, third week of the preseason. And I said, what's, what's it look like on game day? Like, how are you and Freddie working out play calls? Like what's it? He's like, we don't know yet. We'll figure it out when we get there. And I was like, probably the biggest giveaway that, Freddie probably wasn't going to handle all of the uh, logistics stuff very well. So anyway, that's all we got, man. Todd Monken stories and and uh, and and all the above. So Douglas, we we appreciate you so much uh, taking time to talk about these two sides of things. And like we always do, we'll try to catch you after football season around the draft again and get your opinions then because we value them, man. Thank you. I'm going to pump my one show real quick if I can. Yes, do it. The College Football Survivor Show, that's the National College Football Podcast that I do twice a week. One's a bonus episode for subscribers, one's for everybody. Uh, We have our picks up right now on TCU Michigan and Ohio State Georgia. I'll make my pick on Buckeye Talk on Friday, but if you want a preview, you can go to the College Football Survivor Show. My co-host, Shahan, and I broke it all down there, so we would invite anybody who cares about the playoff to go there. Well worth your time. Well worth your time. Thanks again, Doug. Always fun, Jake. Thanks. Okay, guys, that's a wrap for today. Thanks to Doug for being here. Thanks to you guys for being here. I appreciate you stopping by. Check back in with John Colosimo tomorrow. We'll be, we will be with him, and then we'll have a, a Washington Commanders preview on Saturday. Like I said, guys, thanks for being here. Have a great Thursday. Continue to check out the OBR where all the content is relating to this weekend's game and looking ahead at the offseason. Check that out. Thanks again to Doug. Thanks to you guys. Have a great day. Go Browns. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.